Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Aaron O'Toole says Conservatives will abide by mandatory vaccination rules in the House of Commons, but will continue to challenge them. At the earliest opportunity, a question of privilege will be raised in the House of Commons to challenge the improper conduct and precedent set by the Board of Internal Economy in their meeting on October 19th. Stephen Gilbeau addresses concerns over what he might bring to the environment portfolio. I don't have a secret agenda as an environment minister. It, it's a government effort to, to tackle this, what many consider uh, one of humanity's greatest challenge, uh, which, is, which is climate change. And Indigenous leaders say the Pope must deliver an apology for the Catholic Church's role in residential schools if he visits Canada. A full, complete rec recognition of the harm caused uh, by the residential schools operated by the Catholic Church churches is, um, is the first step in a process of uh, recognition of harm done and, and a step towards, towards reconciliation, which includes reparations. And that, I think, is the natural next discussion. Um, first and foremost, as the head of the Catholic Church, the Holy Father's um, recognition of such is key. It's Thursday, October 28th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. We're joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. Good morning, John. Morning, Mark. So Aaron O'Toole is now saying that the Conservatives will respect the current rules with regard to vaccination of MPs before they enter the House of Commons. But he's also saying he's going to challenge those rules. There's been some, some back and forth by O'Toole on this issue over the last week or so. Where do you think this leaves things? Well, I think he hopes it closes the, the book on the on the issue. Um, you know, he can't force any of his MPs who, who don't want to get vaccinated to get vaccinated. And I understand there's only two or three of them in, the, in any case. So by saying that at least that everybody who is in the House will abide by the rule, I think it, it doesn't give the Liberals too much more room to wedge them on the issue. The thing he's he has issue with, it's something I have an issue with as well, is that this rule was brought in by the Board of Internal Economy and imposed on the House of Commons, uh, which is a bit like the tail wagging the dog, because the, House, the Board of Internal Economy is meant to deal with administrative matters, not in substantive constitutional matters like uh, barring MPs from the House of Commons. So I think what they'll do is they'll raise a point of privilege in the House of Commons, there will be a vote on this, the Conservatives will lose it, but at least they'll have made the point that it's the House of Commons which governs the House of Commons, not the Board of Internal Economy. It's a little bit of a process story. People probably won't care about it, but it is important, I think. Uh, as to the rest of it, I mean, I think that um, the mood in the Conservative caucus was summed up by uh, uh, the MP for Calgary, Ron Liepert, who said that the, the opposition doesn't have the luxury of sitting arguing about vaccination when it should be doing what its constituents ended up sending it to Ottawa to do, and that's holding the Liberal government to account. And he raised the issue as a Calgary MP of the appointment of Stephen Gibault, an environmental activist, as the environment minister. And I think that these are the kind of issues that the Liberals want to talk about, and then, sorry, the Conservatives want to talk about. I think they've got an open door at the moment to attack the, the, the government on the cost of living, uh, you know, affordability issues, putting the emphasis on things that most Canadians are less concerned about than jobs and growth. 
Yeah, and let's come back to that in a moment. But just just on that point you made a moment ago, uh, that um, that that process oriented point, that uh, you know, I think there are other people who think that that Aaron O'Toole is right about this, that it is the House of Commons who should make that decision. Members of the House of Commons, not the Board of Internal Economy, which is a small group of MPs. Um, but is this a case where you know Aaron O'Toole's right, but in being right, he's drawing more attention to an issue that just doesn't play well for him? The think the thinking the the point of principle can still be maintained while um not distracting from the main business of the day, which is in question period, for example, um hammering the government on on more substantive issues. This is something that can be done in the course of the, the day in the House of Commons, the point being made but not dominating the news schedule. I mean it seems to me that uh, the media, for example, are less interested in process stories and this is something which is pretty arcane. But important, and um, and the, the opposition should be making the point that you know a group of I think it's nine MPs chaired by the Speaker, which clearly has the uh, dominated by the government, should not be dictating really important principles about the about the governance of the House of Commons. I mean, the, I, I spoke last week to the the law clerk of the uh, the House of Commons for uh, you know he'd been there fifteen years, and he said there's no way that the Board of Internal Economy should should be allowed to do this. It's a complete overreach, and the House of Commons should revise it. All right, let's turn to uh, what you said the Conservatives should be focused on. Um, and in the aftermath of the announcement of the Cabinet, one of the uh, one of the main storylines is Stephen Gilbeau, the new Environment Minister, and, and his comments from, from before he was in politics, his activism. Um, there are significant concerns in Alberta in the in the oil and gas sector there about what approach he might take to this portfolio, how much power he'll have. Uh, what are your thoughts on all of that and what Gilbo himself has said in the past couple of days since he was appointed? Well, I mean, the concerns reach well beyond Albertans, Conservatives. I was hearing yesterday from a lot of, a lot of, I mean, a number of um, business-oriented Liberals who were upset that Gibbo is now in the front line here. Um, more centrist voices like Mark Garneau and Jim Carr have been uh, removed from cabinet, uh, and that the the sort of delta between the business community and the government has never been wider than it is at the moment. You know, the feeling that this is a weak and inexperienced cabinet doesn't understand market-based e- e- uh, economics, doesn't trust business people, and is vulnerable to the attack that it's now not concentrating on growth, even though Christy Freeland was uh, interviewed by the Chamber of Commerce President Baron Beatty yesterday, and she said her number one priority is jobs and growth. Well, there is scant evidence of it in the government's recent record or in the appointment of Gibbo, quite frankly. Now, he was asked yesterday uh, whether the Liberal platform promise of a cap on emissions in the oil patch or from the energy sector uh, meant a block on new projects in the oil sands. And he said that the federal government has no jurisdiction over production, only over emissions. And he said, we'll ensure through legislation or regulation that emissions from oil and gas are capped at current levels and diminish over time. That is effectively to answer, yes, there will be a block on new on new, um, new projects. And it doesn't distinguish between oil and natural gas. Now, you know, all fossil fuels are being treated equally here, while natural gas has got about half of the uh, the um, emissions of carbon dioxide when combusted than oil or coal, and we've got a 
massive shortage globally of energy at the moment. And yet uh, this government is saying Canada cannot take advantage of that and sell its its resources for a for a market price because we're, we're trying to drive down. You know, when, when Gibault was um, saying there's no secret agenda here, the Liberal plan is well known, but by recognising that uh, production levels are his concern, he's saying that he's going to adversely impact emissions, which is clearly going to adversely impact production, it's going to adversely impact exports, and it's going to adversely impact the standard of living of Canadians. And to be frank, that's not his, his job. For, for him, c'est la vie, that's, his job is to get emissions down Standard of living of Canadians is not his concern, and I think that that should be concerning to Canadians. All right. Let's turn to Pope Francis, um, who has said he is willing to visit Canada, according to the Vatican. And Indigenous leaders are saying if he comes to this country, then he should apologize for the Catholic Church's role in residential schools. Do you, do you think if Pope Francis comes to this country, that's what he intends to do? I think there's not much point in coming if he doesn't. I think it will be dogged by protests, and uh, and rightly so, to be honest. You know, a group of Indigenous leaders went to see Pope Benedict, I think it was at the time, in 2009, and uh, to discuss the residential schools issue, and a statement of regret was made. It fell far short of the apology, which um, popes in the past have offered to, for example, Irish abuse victims. Um, when Trudeau went to see Francis in uh, 2017, I think it was, uh, and asked for for him to make an apology, Francis said he felt unable to do so. And, you know, I think that all the other uh, churches have apologised for their role in the, uh, in residential school system. The Government of Canada has apologised, yet the institution which was responsible for governing 60% of those schools and the massive abuse that t- took place therein, has not come out and formally apologised. And I think if the Holy Father comes to Canada, he has to come uh, armed with a full and complete apology. All right, John. Thank you for your insights on all of this today. Have a great day. Thanks, Mark. That's John Iveson of the National Post. The vision that we will have at Global Affairs is one that takes into account that very strategic work that Canada is doing across the world. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Terry Glavin asks if Melanie Jolie will be any tougher on China's regime than her predecessors were. Glavin writes, Jolie has given no cause to expect that she will be any better or worse than her immediate predecessors. And in any case, the Foreign Affairs Post isn't the place where China policy is determined. That happens in the Prime Minister's office and in the offices of the Canada-China Business Council. So it's hard to say how much Jolie's appointment matters to anything, or whether a fairly dramatic shuffling around the China desk at Global Affairs Canada portends some greater change. In the Montreal Gazette, Peter Trent argues Marc Garneau deserves better. Trent writes, Turfing Garneau from Cabinet showed an egregious lack of judgment. A cynic might say that Justin Trudeau prefers to surround himself with less demanding, more malleable cabinet ministers. I suspect Garneau refused to be a lackey to the prime minister's office. As minister of transport and then minister of foreign affairs, Garneau would do what was right and what was best, not what the PMO told him to do. In the Toronto Star, Ken Coates and Heather Exner-Pirot 
consider how the rest of Canada should respond to the Alberta Equalization Referendum. They write, Alberta is hurting and the West is angry, but the referendum is not an invitation to Canada to descend into the deep rabbit hole of equalization politics. Rather, it is a solid and defiant gesture of opposition to the national government, and even more powerfully, a poignant reminder that any version of federalism that ignores the West and leaves the region out of Canadian nation-building is simply not in the national interest. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will fly to Amsterdam today. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, October 28th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.